Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The BHP Podcast is proudly presented by Dead Down Wind, Stealth Camp, Tinks, Skull Hooker, Grind Life Coffee, Burris Optics. We also want to tell you guys to check out the new Fred Bearfield Notes podcast, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Learn about Fred Bear and his heritage. It's something you're not going to want to miss, and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together. Hello, welcome to the BowhunterPlanet.com podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, along with Kevin Conlon. <laughs> for some reason, I just, for some reason, I'm not exaggerating. I thought I heard the theme song of Game of Thrones just playing in my ear. Maybe it was from last night. I don't know. Uh, Bob McGee's here as well. And Jamie Beer today, he's out collecting some uh, some bones, some horns out in the field. But we got the best bone collector with us, Michael Waddell. Do you guys like that intro? Yeah, nice. yeah. That was good. Good, good job. <laughs> I've been thinking What's about that. What's up, one. gentlemen? What's up? <laughs> How you doing, Mike? How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. So, How y'all doing? We are doing okay. Probably not as good as you, though, because we're not chasing birds just yet. So what's going on in the field right now with you chasing birds? Man, obviously, I'm down here in old dirty south. So we've been we've been hunting turkey since the beginning of March. And uh, this year's been good, man. But I've been like Mr. Guide. I figure in the world of philanthropy, I read that like myself, you can, you know, we might not have money to give, but we have our time. And so this year I gave a lot of my time. I've been doing a lot of guiding. I've seen about 20, 22 turkeys die, but I've only shot a few myself. So a lot of, a lot of first time hunters. I've been, uh, been taking a lot of kids and, and going a lot of hunts with National Turkey Federation. So, uh, my greed is starting to kick in. So I've seen a lot that. <laughs> People ask me how many turkeys I've ever killed. That's like not enough. That's what I can tell you. But, um, but so anyway, but it's been a good year, man. The turkey's been working pretty good. And based on just where we've been, mainly in the South, lots of turkeys and, and uh, a lot of jakes this year. So obviously, uh, I think we're safe to say we got turkeys around for a long time now. So now, uh, usually, are you taking mostly like kids out and kids with disabilities, or how does that work? A little bit of both, like, um, like you know, prime example, over 30 years, I've never missed an opening day with my dad. Um, and so him and I just go together, you know, and kind of, you know, whoever gets the shot, sometimes we both might get a shot. But this year we had a, a good friend of ours, family friend that's been, he was diagnosed with cancer and uh, he wasn't giving a good, really a good report. And, uh, and so we decided to take him out. He got a turkey. He got his first turkey. Um, also, I work with National Wild Turkey Federation as well as this Hunter Nation, a lot of nonprofit organizations where they might raffle off a hunt to say, go hunt with me. We did one on my farm here. We did a couple in Kansas. I did one in Tennessee. And so it's just straight up, you know, charity to uh, generate money for some of these nonprofits and for conservation efforts. So a lot of that. And then, yes, we might have a, a kid in need. We, we also do a lot with handicapped hunters and military. And so, uh, and it really does feel good. You know, I, I have to be reminded of when I go because my wife calls me the turkey Nazi. I forget that it's about having fun. And I'm sure it'll come up on this podcast and talk about how the hunting industry has got to get back to having fun. Yeah. But, man, I'll get them, I want to get them a turkey so bad that when, they, when somebody messes up or screws up, here I am. Got some seven-year-old kid in the headlock and asking him why he didn't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and then his dad's like, wait a minute, Michael, we gave good money to raise money for the National Rock Turkey Federation. Now you're choking my kid out. You got him in the gorgeous George torture rack. Gear down. <laughs> there's, no, there's no crying in turkey hunting. Yeah, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> you want your ear, son. You won't move a muscle. Yeah, that's funny. So, uh, 
tell us about no i i want to know what qualifies uh, you know for the for the ones who aren't like disabilities or anything like for instance uh does a hunter who has shot no bigger than a 110 qualify for a buck hunt with you Think of this Big Mun and T Bone Turner hunts with me, so that'll give everybody a chance. But no, man, shoot, I'd love to come come on. Let's go. I'm ready. No, you come to Michigan. I want to see what you I want to see the you better better hunters can do in this state. Shoot. (laughs) Hey, now I will say one thing y'all do have, I, I can't say that I've deer hunted Michigan, but I've turkey hunted a little bit. Again, guided. I've never got a tag, but I went out with some friends who had tags. My goodness, y'all got the turkeys in areas. Yeah. We do oh, have really we do good. have some good sized turkeys. Big birds. And we didn't have yeah. any, you know, this is uh one one of the things that the our DNR has done properly is brought the turkeys back because seriously when I started hunting there were no turkeys and yeah. now they're yeah. everywhere. They're but everywhere. I will I, I will go right along with you and say, man, you you're right. And I think that's one reason, you know, like I'm from Georgia, obviously y'all up there in Michigan, but I will say if you learn to hunt in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, there's some kind of, even though we talk a little different, there's some kind of kindred spirit because it, it you'll be an expert everywhere else if you get pretty good in those states. And like deer hunting in Michigan, you better bring your A game. And mm-hmm. I get tickled. You watch all these TV shows about here's how you do it. And you read the scrapes and the rub lines. Well, they, yeah, go tell that to somebody in Michigan hunting 20 acres that's got seven other people trying to hunt the same yep. deer, man. There yeah. ain't no sanctuary. You ain't yeah. worried about the wind. You're just trying to get in, get in a seat to where hopefully you might get a shot at something. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, it's funny. It, 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 in every situation, what we see on TV isn't equal to what everybody else out there has experienced when it comes to hunting. So I feel your pain, but at the same time, even though I've been spoiled to hunt some really good areas, growing up in Georgia, I've, I've – experienced the same similar deal just even better i was doing in a little bit at least warmer weather than you guys up north freezing (laughs) (laughs) hey hey, just quick question to change the subject a little bit so i was down in florida and i came drove home and i made a couple of stops i went to andersonville georgia i'm sure yes so i left there in the morning and in the evening we stopped in the in the northern georgia the and um where we had just left was a tornado. How's things going down there, man? You guys had you some know, rough weather. It, I don't know what it is about the last couple of years, but it's like we've always had tornadoes, but it's like we have become like Kansas or Missouri. It's been unbelievable. Matter of fact, one of the hunts we were just talking about, about taking people turkey hunting, there's another gentleman I always hunt with opening day of Alabama season, and it comes in early March. And, and so rather than he and I going, we took the preacher of Beauregard out and there in Beauregard, Alabama, they lost 23 people to a tornado um, the week before we went hunting. And so this preacher he had been just such a, you know, a, a godsend for a lot of these people. He opened his sanctuary up. They generated all kind of money as well as supplies and stuff that the families need. And I went to that and it literally looked like Chernobyl or like a nuclear bomb had hit. And yeah. uh, we went to those families who had lost a lot of people and in one area, just one little half mile to mile area, had lost 23 people, got killed. And so uh, wow. it's been spooky and, and scary here lately. And we had another one hit not, not too long ago that, that killed some people. Right. Uh, that's, that's the one I just missed. I was, I was right where that hit. I was. Yeah, it come up right up through there. It come up through North Georgia. It went right across. It come from kind of uh, northeasterly, I guess you would say. Yeah. And uh, it was really bad. And that's cool, man, too. Uh, speaking of. You don't hear a lot of people that get a chance to come through Andersonville. Did y'all stop by and check out all the uh, the, the Civil War, that old prison? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge history buff, so I spent I spent some time there. I loved it. That's yeah. awesome, man. I, yeah. It's funny. I'm a big Civil War buff, too, because obviously uh, a lot of the battles were fought down here. And sure. sometimes when you're turkey hunting, you can find not only just old cemeteries, but I found musket balls and sometimes wow. double yeah. memorabilia. It's unbelievable the stuff you can, you can see out there. And, and and obviously that uh that Andersonville is pretty cool. And of course, when I've been up y'all's way, I've, I've always went by and checked out Gettysburg and all that yeah. stuff. It's amazing, man. Yeah, I went from Andersonville to uh, the Chickamauga battlefield and spent some time there too. So nice, loved it. That that's really cool, man. Yeah, a lot of people forget the the, the the cool thing. I mean, nothing cool about the Civil War. Obviously, a lot of bloodshed. But from the history of it, man, that's pretty crazy. I get tickled. People talk about how tough times are. And sure, we had some political difficulties at times, but man, can you imagine back in the 1860s when all that was happening? Oh, I mean, you geez. know, people had the world had to be coming to an end. I mean, was, what uh, craziness? 800,000 people. Yeah. Or, I forget the Lord, I'll show me ignorance, but it was 
hundreds of thousands of people that lost their life. And it was, yeah. it was brothers against brothers and, you know, just the yeah. North against the South is crazy, you know. Yeah. Worst part too is a lot of the, a lot of those guys even um, in both parties, I guess uh, they didn't want to fight. They couldn't even go home. <laughs> they tried. You're to exactly leave, right. They, they and didn't. then they're they're hunted down, but yeah. you know, because they're deserters. Um, did you have you ever seen the Ken Burns special Civil War? No, I have oh, not. Uh-uh. You got to watch that. That is a lot of, like the best. Um, you know, they go back through the whole history of it, and he misses nothing. I mean, literally. Not only does he Ken Burns is the ma- the best. He's got he's got the Civil War. He's got Vietnam. He's got baseball. He's got everything. Uh, World War II. He's got all those those series in the West, which is a great one about mm-hmm. going west and how America got all the way to California, basically. How though they probably should have just kept the wall there and did Trump's wall at the border there, <laughs> California. <laughs> probably the safest thing for everybody. Just put the border there. Um, That's but, true. <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean the best. I was. Uh, uh, speaking of Georgia, though, I was in Georgia too. Actually, recently, I was in Savannah, and oh my gosh, what a great place Savannah is! Savannah is cool, yeah. very cool for history. Oh, those, those oh, no courtyards, doubt, and oh my gosh, this is great. And then we were in Charleston too, which was cool because we had some shrimp, shrimp and grits. <laughs> you say I can't talk <laughs> like the South, but I can. Oh yeah, I was I was talking the other day. I had a guy from Charleston, South Carolina. You know, whenever a body talks like this, <laughs> it's Southern draw. It goes yeah, wrong. That, yeah. This, this gentleman's name was uh, Claiborne Darden. Claiborne Darden. <laughs> oh my God. Even, I mean, that's like going to Africa and your PH's name is Bullock. You know? so, I remember he, he had a Benelli shotgun. He had soft loaded that gun. I was just telling the story the other day, and Claiborne from Charleston said, when that gun didn't go off, he looked at me and says, Waddell. What shall I do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even in the crisis, he was just such a southern gentleman. You know, so. <laughs> shall I do? So, have you have you uh, been up to the Detroit area for going to do anything with Chevy since they're a sponsor? I have a lot. I was just up uh, this past August. I went to the uh, Motor Speedway, the Michigan Motor Speedway. Nice. Oh, that nice. race. I'm actually coming up to Traverse City here. Um, in a week, I got we got a big a store up there. We're doing a big promotion, and then uh, if it blains, and then um, I, actually it's crazy. I spent a lot of time up in Michigan. I, I mean, I mean for me, when you look at hunting, I mean Michigan, Pennsylvania. You got the South, of course Texas, and there's hunters everywhere. But I mean, look at Michigan and Pennsylvania alone. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, but I mean everybody listening. You guys got a lot of people there in that area. I mean, it, man, millions. Hunting is a religion. It's like, you know, we everybody still embraces it. And sure, you know, we got the big, big, big cities and stuff that sometimes uh, might not everybody understand hunting in any state you go to. But Michigan and Pennsylvania is hand in hand. So, yeah, we, we go to a lot of promotions. And I got a lot of great friends in Michigan. And, uh, and of course, I mean, just look at the personalities y'all got. Ted Nugent, Fred Bear. Yeah. I, mean, all, I mean, y'all got some <laughs> of the best. I mean, just history. And one, one thing that blew me away about Michigan you can ride through there, and I did this. Speaking of history, I, I rode through Pennsylvania and Michigan with a good friend of mine years ago named Keith Jennings, who used to be a sales rep for Golden Eagle. He's worked with Matthews. He's worked with Realtree, oh, yeah. a little bit of everybody. And um, he said, man, and he's he's an older guy, and he said, look, I'm going to take you to some bow shops. It's going to blow your mind. And and you guys know we just riding through and just stop off, go down the side road, and be a guy's basement. And, like, this, <laughs> this, you know, this dude here sells 10,000 bows a year right yeah. here. And then, you know, go two or three blocks down and there'll be another 10 or 20,000 bows sold out of this guy's basement. And then, of course, you get to the shops and you go to a custom era shop. And it's, it's almost like going to New York City and getting, you know, pizza or, yeah. or a hot dog stand. And so uh, the history is so cool when it comes to archery there in Michigan. And, of course, I mean, Fred Bear, my goodness. I mean, yeah. he just goes without saying. And so, uh, so, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Michigan and I've had a lot of fun. And one thing I realized, and I will go on record, I think uh, most people are mature enough and grown enough to say that we like beer, but I will not sit down and attempt to drink beer with a Michigan man. I'll go on record, call me a sissy, call me whatever you want. I will not go head to head with with a typical average Michigan man and drink beer with him. Probably, probably wise. Eat some chicken wings, but I, yeah. <laughs> well, well we, won't, we won't go head to head with you with some shine either. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, are you? Uh, so, I, I do have a favor to ask of you, actually. Now that we're talking yeah. about booze, 
Um, if you're ever driving to Michigan, I need a huge favor. I need uh, a load of Sweetwater Brewery Blue, which is only <laughs> yeah. in Georgia. And I'm disappointed thoroughly because I was in Hilton Head and I didn't get it. And I didn't realize they didn't sell it in Michigan. So now I'm completely depressed because it's the best blueberry beer I've ever had in my life. It is incredible. Have you ever had that? It is literally incredible. I have. Actually, my wife, th- oh. that brewery just like kicked off and got big. It, it's kind of like years ago when I come come up y'all's neck of the woods and, and get a chance to drink a yingling beer. And so that Sweetwater, matter of fact, listen to this, they're starting to sell it. Like I fly Delta out of Atlanta. You can get Sweetwater on um on a Delta flight now. Wow. So I don't know about the blueberry, but my, yeah, they, they got the, the kind of that sour. Have you, you had that oh. sour beer yet? No, got, I have. I had a, a variety pack. I got it at a Kroger there when I was there in Hilton Head, and I might have actually have had it. Yes, I think I have had it because it was all in there. I, I'll tell you what, when I come up there, I, I bring. I have to bring y'all up a case or two. We are close to Chevy, so when you are here, I want you to stop in the studio, and then you can bring the Sweetwater because <laughs> that, that'll work. We can drink. Well, it, it makes it a little less. It makes it a little less. You know, feel like you're less in it when you're drinking with blueberry, right? Oh it's yeah. It seems like you're drinking Seagram's wine coolers. It don't feel like you're quite. Now, getting how long are you in Traverse City for? Just a day. I'm actually coming in on. Uh, the second spin of the night and I, and then I'll be there the third and I fly home the third. And then as every uh, man has to do, I got some serious honeydews. So even though it's still Turks, <laughs> I got to take my wife to a uh, home vacation. <laughs> you took her to Traverse City. Otherwise I'll Beautiful. be out there sleeping and roosting in a tree with a turkey. Cause I won't have a place to come home to. So I, I got to take off a little of this turkey, turkey hunting and take the wife. So I'll, I'll be coming home. Then we'll go straight on a little family vacation. Where, where are you heading? We're heading down to Cancun, so I, I better bring in the shit nice or some nunchucks. I don't know, man. I hope, I hope it's been crazy down there. I heard them say there's like heads washing up on the beach. So that, that don't sound that romantic, you know. But yeah. that hey, Michael, speaking of Chevy, have you ever talked to Chevy? Maybe I'm just not knowledgeable about Bone Collector Edition Silverado. Yeah, we, we don't have a, a true Bone Collector Edition for sale. But it's been about three or four years ago. Chevy actually brought and designed a Bone Collector Edition just for the big show they have in Vegas, the big motor show. Yeah, oh, cool. SEMA? I forget the name of that show. You know, SEMA. Like we have the show. Yeah, SEMA show. They did a really, really cool kind of a, a Michael Waddell slash um, Bone Collector Edition truck and kind of got with Realtree, did some cool stuff. And it was really fun because that same venue, they did a Kid Rock uh, big Dooley, they did a Kid Rock truck, so he was there. We got to hang out with him, and then they did some stuff with Ricky nice. Carmichael and John Force, and so it, it was really cool, man. I was like a little kid, like gurming up on all these people, man, high fiving and having a Pat's Blue Ribbon beer with old Kid Rock, and then <laughs> hanging out. And, like my wife was, my wife saw Ricky Carmichael there, you know, the motorcycle racer, and uh, yeah, and she went ahead before I even saw him. She looked, when my husband sees you, he's gonna be like you know, having a bromance with you. He's going to freak out. And so thank God Ricky was a, was a hunter. And sure enough, me and my kind of the, the guy, he's my best friend. He works for us at Bone Collector and kind of pretty much runs the company. He was there. And so we was all like going, like we went to high school together or something, treating Ricky. So we it was a fun deal. So yeah, Chevy did that. It's been about four or five years ago. And um, that was a pretty cool honor. And now when they take the trucks on tour, they'll always say that Bone Collector edition in there for all these celebrations. Oh, so that's, that's cool. Oh, that's got to be a badass deal. truck. It is really a cool truck. I've obviously never got to crank it or drive it, but they, they know I'd probably tear it up. So they do have a Realtree edition. They do have a Realtree edition, yeah. That's Real talking tree, to, from the factory, yeah. I was talking to Tyler about that on the show a little while ago, but yeah, they, they he was excited about that. That's yeah. Realtree edition. That's cool. That is really cool. Um they, they've been a good they've been a great partner, man, and um and actually um have been you know pretty vocal about their support of hunting and so that that makes me feel good and you know how everything's real political now and a lot yeah. of these big huge companies are terrified to admit that they support hunting and uh sometimes they might hide behind just a conservation or or other things but that you know chevrolet is all about hunting heritage and, and of course they realize that certainly um you know us hunters we want something you're not going to throw a deer in the back of a camry you know you want to throw it in the back of a truck <laughs> yeah so now, have you had a chance to, and I don't I apologize, I don't know this, but have you had a chance to hunt with Kid Rock? I have not, man. And I tried to do everything, but invite myself to his farm. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, and he's, uh, I'm pretty good friends with, with Hank Jr. And, uh, and I know Bo Cephas and Kid Rocker have really hit it off and become buddies. And I think they both 
their farms joined in Alabama. And so uh, I did everything. Man. I name dropped, did everything. And he was cool. And he said, actually, he said, man, my wife, my wife is a bigger fan of Bone Collector than, than even me. He said, man, I've heard of y'all show and everything. But my wife, he said, she's really who got me into hunting. So that was kind of cool, you know. Yeah, I think you know, now that I was thinking about it, I think I did see him hunting with uh, Ted Nugent. That's who it was. Because I was like, yeah. I saw him hunting with somebody that's popular, and I couldn't remember who it was. I wasn't sure if it was you or I couldn't remember. And now I think yeah. about it, it was Ted Nugent for sure. Two rock stars together. I, I know it, Big Nuge. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure Kid Rock is real tight with Ted Nugent, obviously Michigan guy, and then well, yeah. him and Bo Cephas are really tight. And so uh, I know they hunt a lot and shoot dove and hang out. But from what talking to talking to Bobby, man, he seemed like he was just more in tune with just kind of having a really cool place to relax and. I don't know, just, just have a place in the country. And, and that was one thing I was glad to, to, to hear from him is that obviously, you know, when you think of Kid Rock, you think of these wild city parties, and I'm sure that happened. <laughs> you know, but, I, but it sounds like he does like to escape to the country and catch some bluegill and, you know, go wall out well, He grew up in the country. He, he grew, grew up, in, he grew yeah. up just in north Michigan, of us. Yeah. He's, a, he's a country boy. Yeah, he's farm, a farm area. His dad, stepdad, I think, owned a Lincoln dealer or something. For 20 years, StealthCam has been at the forefront of trail camera development and innovation. From the industry's first 4K ultra-high-definition DS4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technologies, StealthCam continues to deliver the highest quality, most reliable trail cameras available. Your images begin at StealthCam.com. For those of you who listen to the podcast a lot, you know how much we love coffee. And we are so proud that Grind Life Coffee is a sponsor of the Bowhunter Planet Podcast. Grind Life is a premium coffee for those who grind every day. When you think of those magic moments of hunting, when you're out there watching a turkey strike or seeing a big buck rubbing antlers, it is one of those moments you want to remember and be awake for most importantly. Grind Life Coffee puts you in that position. Whether you're in the field or you're back at your lodge talking with your friends and reliving the moment. Visit grindlifecoffee.com. Rich is here. He, he's like, he's got houses <laughs> in California. He's like Eminem here. Eminem's huge here too. And no one, you know, I don't think he hunts, but he's, you know, you, you'll never know. They, they buy a house and then they sell the house. They buy a house, they sell, they move around for safety, I'm sure. Purposes. Well, here's, a, here's something to note. So if you keep up on social media, T Bone Turner. You know, the biggest, largest guy in our group, obviously, he is a huge Justin Timberlake fan. Like, he's just, <laughs> almost, I mean, completely almost just sissy. Like, I mean, I almost pulled his man card. If he couldn't shoot a bow too good, I would. I probably already pulled it. But he, he is like the biggest boy group fan you ever, I mean, it doesn't matter. 98 degrees in sync, new kids on the block. And his favorite <laughs> of all that, seriously, is Justin Timberlake. Well, his pursuit to meet Justin Timberlake, he never stopped. He was always hitting him up on social media. Well, he ended up meeting a creative director that was friends with Justin who hunted. Come to find out, Justin's dad was a huge hunter. So just like last week, T-Bone had a chance to go hang out with Justin Timberlake. What? Guy. No way. Actually, Justin's a hunter, man. Gave him a bone collector hat. And so wow. he sent me a picture the other day of Timberlake. Oh, uh, wow. They were all out there, and, and a couple of them had on bone collector hats playing golf somewhere what? out in California. So nice. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, and Justin admitted to T-Bone that he wasn't a big hunter, but he did enjoy it. Wow. And, and so T-Bone said he has talked to his dad every Every day, so he's probably trying to get adopted. <laughs> right now, so. Justin Timberlake probably had to whisper it to him if they're out in California on a golf course. He'd say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey. probably." Yeah. Don't don't I, take my picture with this yeah, hat on. I, right? I hunt a little yeah, bit. Exactly. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody. Who's the Who's the coolest people? I mean, that are like I I know there's a lot of cool people you hunted with, but as far as like celebrities go like i heard kevin costner is a hunter i don't know how true that is someone told me that one time i wasn't sure but who have you got to meet i guess outside of the hunting industry that you thought was pretty cool um you know outside of the names we just talked about i mean you know goes out saying blake shelton oh. and i hunted a lot together blake is just oh. an amazing guy dude funny i mean he, he is just the, the same reason he becomes such a huge star his personality he's so funny laid back um a lot of the country artists uh you know red aiken's who actually is a big songwriter now, but had a, you know, a really good run in the 2000s with, with a bunch of hit songs. Great guy. And, and most of the country artists I run into, from Brantley Gilbert to, I mean, you name it, from, you know, you know from the top to just the ones you're on Bryan. radio occasionally. Luke Bryan, great guys. Al Dean, all those guys are just really fun, down-to-earth 
you know, dudes and, and truly love to hunt. They're not doing it. They, I mean, obviously they don't need to hunt for, um, yeah. for any marketing. I mean, as a matter of fact, some of them are probably kind of, you know, being not too crazy to jump all up in it and all the shows and podcasts yeah. we might have, mm-hmm. which, which I always challenge them. I, I wish they would. I wish they I mean, might as I well. Can, I mean, seriously, they might as well, yeah. they're hunters and, and everybody knows that country fans don't care that they hunt yeah. at all. And they, they're already mainstream. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're talking about in that realm. There's hunters involved, right? Even Carrie Underwood with her husband, right? I mean, everybody yeah. hunts in that in that area. If you're country, it's hunting's normal. That's not not yeah. normal. I agree. You normal. know, and you guys do a good job. You know, I'd like to say that, that we try to do our best with Bone Collector, not just to, you know, a lot of people think when you do a TV show or, or, or your own you know, especially I say on TV, it's your job is to try to shoot big animals. But, you know, I tell people all the time, man, my job isn't really to kill anything big. I personally do, you know, want to fill my tags. I mean, I like to hunt, but, you know, my job is to fill hunting licenses. My job is to promote hunting and to make it such a cool culture that we understand, but make everybody else understand it and grow it. You guys are doing the same on this podcast. And so, you know, collectively, I'll try to do the same thing. But, you know, I tell, you know, sometimes I think Blake or Luke, they'll get frustrated if I ever do talk to him because I'm always pushing really hard because, yeah. I, I mean, even even though obviously we all have to make a living, you guys have to generate some income through your podcast. We do through Bone Collector and sponsors. But can you imagine if Luke Bryan every day would just send a tweet out? Can you imagine just every day Blake Shelton would say, hey, dude, I'm going to be on this podcast or yeah. bow hunting's cool because, I mean, they have such a huge reach and they are mainstream and somebody like Luke and Blake are prime examples. They were just country singers, but now they're household names yeah, across yeah. the world. Right. I mean, Blake's got like 20 million Twitter followers. I mean, you know, you get ten or 20,000 followers on Twitter in the hunting industry, son. You're, you know, yeah. you're, you're strutting, a small niche. son. That's right. Yeah, you get <laughs> you're <laughs> now, Mike, I know you've had some some stern words in the past on some subjects along, you know, workout type people and things like that. Not to get into too much detail, but on the flip side of that, I guess you can look at it in different ways, right? At least they're getting bow hunters hunting, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I'm not a. I'm not a definitely opposed to to working out. I mean, you would know it if I took my shirt off now, Flex. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I've got some really cool elk hunts coming up this year, so I definitely think being in shape helps me. Um, but the, the only thing I've ever said is we got to be careful. I've always thought within the hunting industry, it's 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 a lot of it, be honest, we got a lot of women that's out there, and I love the growth that we have in the female um, participants when it comes to hunting and buying licenses, getting involved. But it is a male-dominated, you know, process. I mean, yeah. even typically my wife and my daughter hunt, but I I can say it was me that got them into hunting. And I will say my wife loves to hunt, and she wants to shoot a turkey within five minutes of me taking her. Yeah. And but, but in reality, she don't really want to free. She really doesn't want to walk 20 miles. Yep. She don't want to go when the weather's bad. She don't want to get up. You know, all of us get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and walk two miles if we thought there was a Pope and Young on the other end. Mm-hmm. It's a slim chance, you know. And so yeah. you know, she's like, no, if it's 60 degrees and above and I can hunt in the evening out of that ladder stand, I'm all in. And so, <laughs> so you know, and, and I think that means she's still a hunter. She just wants That's to go okay. on her. So that's all I've ever thought is it's not that I'm against anything. I'm all for working out. It's just, we got to be careful that if I can say this on the podcast, that us men are not in this constant sword fight. So battling with our egos to promote hunting. And I've always thought that the male ego is probably one of the most unattractive things. You can't even pick up a chick with a male ego. I mean, like they hate that. (laughs) And so, you know, and if you don't believe me, go to the little chubby guy in the corner that a dance and laugh is picking up chicks. The cool guy that thinks he's cocky gets nowhere and so if we use the male ego (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm not trying to say anybody in there has a better chance but (laughs) but what i am saying is the fact that if we if we just gear it down and concentrate on the fun and even if working out and getting in shape real comp becomes fun and you can get in shape but like i said i've done it where i've run three or four miles a day to prepare for elk hunt but I've also been turkey hunting where every day I eat two honey buns and stop by the Wawa twice a day. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, it's still fun, you know. And so I think the big thing is, is we just need to really understand that fun is what keeps us coming back. If you think it's fun to, you know, run up a mountain every day, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But don't think because you think that's fun, that's the way you got to do it, vice yeah. versa. If I think, you know, a deer needs to be five and a half years of age to shoot it, that don't mean if he's two and a half and it turns your crank that you can't throttle him. And so 
I think sometimes we got a lot of situational ethics in the hunting industry, and I'm all about just stripping it all down and saying, let's don't categorize anybody. Let's just all have fun and hunt at the level we want to. It's one of the few things in life we got that outside of the game of fish rules, that we can do it at the level and how we want to with whatever weapons. And so we don't have to make it what we like about it. We don't have to make everybody force it down their throat. And um, that, that's all I'm saying. And, 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 and the reason I say that is you don't have to be a certain way. I've, I've took, like I said, I started this podcast talking about handicapped kids and, and um, first timers. I mean, I will say I've been frustrated guiding some this year because there's a lot of things that if I'd have been sitting there with one of you guys, y'all would have shot the turkey or we could have moved a little bit better or yeah. different. But overall, it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Um, it's about opportunity, obviously um, being in the right spots, having the, some good resources, whether you're in Michigan, Georgia, or, or Iowa, and it gets down to it. I, hunting is for everybody, and that's what I want to do. It's for the out of shape, in shape, skinny, fat, poor, rich, you know, black, white, Mexican, it doesn't matter. That's the one thing I like about hunting. It is for the girls, the guys, um, anybody can do it. We can all do it at different levels, but it doesn't matter what level we do. It don't mean we still can't come out with a fun opportunity to share with others. So that's, that's sure. kind of my, deal. you hit great. the nail right yeah. on the head. And that, that, that leads me into a question, Mike. So, so, um, I'm retired now and, uh, I've got a motor home and I'm planning on trying to go do some hunting out West, which I've never had the opportunity because I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money, but what, what areas would you say? For the average guy that's just going to go out, hunt public land, go out west and try to, and I don't need to connect with a big giant deer or anything like that. Yeah. I could, I'd like to get a muley. I'd like to try my chance at an elk. Where, where would you, you've hunted all over the United States. Where would you say somebody like that would want to go? Well, first of all, congratulations, buddy. I think I, I don't even know you that well other than say congratulations, man. You worked hard and you, that's so cool. You're in a place where y'all can retire and go relax and, uh, enjoy some campfires and, and and here's the thing you're exactly right brilliant idea because when you start heading out west i think everybody again that watches the tv shows just assume that everything we do you know we spent 15 20 grand and we went and hunted private ground it's kind of a secret amongst the elk community 90 percent of all your huge bulls do come from public ground um one is i would recommend getting with that cabela's tag operation put in for some of those tags uh-huh. and and then even at that even some of these public areas um, you can get tags for mule deer and and elk over the counter. Uh, when you think about over the counter elk tags, most everybody thinks about Colorado. I would say that's the weakest. I mean, I know that sounds bad. Somebody in Colorado is probably hate me, or, or they might be loving me because, like, good, one more redneck out of my state. <laughs> they don't <laughs> but, know what's happening, anyways. It's high times there right now. High times. They don't know what's but, happening. But I would say definitely put in for those tags, and I would look into New Mexico. I think New Mexico has some of the best public ground hunting for mule deer as well as elk. Um, obviously, the mo- the only money you'll be out of is whatever you decide to eat, filet mignon or beanie weenies or, mm-hmm. or, or buying a sausage. Uh, and, and like I said, I know you guys can live a long time off some natty lights and a block of cheese. I've been up in Michigan. Yeah. So. <laughs> how, about, how about Nebraska? How, what do you think about Nebraska for public, public land? For, for whitetail and mule deer, there's some pretty good. I'm not as familiar with the public areas. Um, I tell you, one place that's got some stellar, stellar um, whitetail hunting on public ground, that is um, Iowa. Everybody thinks of, you know, Iowa. We all want to hunt the Lukoski's farm or the Drury's farm. But, man, they got some public ground that nobody hunts because most of the time any non-resident goes to Iowa, you got a private farm lined up or a friend or an uncle. Or, you know, you you know if you live there, you about have access to a farm because you are a farmer. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, when it gets down to it, Iowa's got some good ground. Wyoming's got some unbelievable public ground. South Dakota, I'm about to go to South Dakota to hunt um, tomorrow. We're going out to Wyoming and South Dakota, and where I hunt in South Dakota is public ground, and it's uh-huh. unbelievable hunting. I mean, uh-huh. we'll get on turkeys every day, and it, it'll be crazy. And so uh, that that's just for turkey, but deer, everything is there. So just a little research. Um, uh-huh. But I would say right now, if I wanted to go, and if I was in your shoes, let's say tomorrow or it was, you know, August, and I could figure out a way to get my hands on a New Mexico elk tag and a mule deer tag. I think New Mexico has the biggest trophy animal on public ground that's pretty accessible. Um, you got the Nevadas and the Arizonas that are unbelievable public ground. However, it's hard to get those tags. You still have to draw. There's a lot of systems, so there's no guarantee to get the tag. Mm-hmm. But being that you'll have a camper and you got land out there that we all pay tax dollars on to help, you know, 
federal tax dollars to help restore. You're just, you're an American citizen, so you can go up there and park that RV and camp out and hunt millions of acres that all it costs you is for your license and your, your tax. So uh, I'd say New Mexico, um, Arizona in certain areas, if you can put in for those tags, and especially now that you're in a place that you have retired, right now go and check out some of those tag opportunities and put in every year and then let that dictate where that camper goes. Okay. And then if it takes you three or four years to draw it, when you draw it, it'll be a trophy tag in a really good public area. So your odds to kill a really big animal, mule deer or you know, elk or whatever will be really high. So, uh, so if you'll do that now, before you know it, usually it takes you anywhere from three to five years. And I, and I actually took me some years. It took me up to, you know, 15, 20 years to draw those tags. And every time I've drawn those tags, I've killed big animals, you know, in Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, some really big animals. Sounds good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to steer back just a little bit. I just want to say that, you know, when, when we talk about the industry as a whole, and we talk about, you know, the differences in companies. Some companies are very, um, uh, I feel like they're just kind of silent in the background and they're just trying to sell some, I'm thinking of a big name right now. I'm not going to drop it, but they're, they're <laughs> selling camo, but not a lot. And they have other way, other things to do with different sports that are more important. But I feel like those companies don't do a lot in the industry and they kind of like just take up space and, you know, kind of break up market share where companies who should have it or, you know, need it. Uh, but it's business, and that's capitalism. It's fine. You, nothing you could do there. But I will say that I feel like the industry uh, is getting a little bit better, is coming together. We've been doing this for 10 years, and we've worked really hard, I would say. And we don't make a lot of money doing this. We just love doing it. We love the outdoors. And it's been fun. And the podcast, for us, wasn't really where we started. And, and to, to to bring this on has helped a lot because we've now been able to engage conversations with people in the West people in the South, people in the East, and it's been very helpful. For instance, just today, we had two other interviews for people that live out West. So it was mm -hmm. interesting to hear from companies out West and understand their philosophy and how they're thinking of things, which is completely different, I have to say, than what it is in Michigan, in the Midwest areas. And yeah. it, But, you know, we all share the love for outdoors and hunting, but it's important that we understand why things are different. And when you're hunting flatland in Michigan, it's completely different than hunting mountains in Colorado, but we don't, it's, it's different. It's different. Eye to eye is different. You know, the camo you mm -hmm. use is different. Everything's different. The way you shoot your bow, we you know we shoot 20 yard pop shots here in Michigan. <laughs> They're yeah. shooting 60 yard shots, you know, yeah. 80 yard shots is normal. So anyway, I think we're getting better. I think things are getting better. Um, and I, I do think it's, it's interesting when you, collaborate with companies i know you guys have collaborated with so many companies over the years but it's it's extreme it's extremely important to uh do across the brands and help you know promote each other it doesn't matter if you're yeah. a manufacturer or not you need to get involved with brands and get things out there you know i agree and what you're saying you know it's hard to sum it up in just a paragraph or two and just even in one podcast because i've always you know heard you know, my papa and my dad used to say things sometimes got to get worse before they can get better. And I really think the hunting industry got to that point. I think things in some ways got really bad. And and, and when I say bad, not means the hunting is bad. I think we got a better resource than we've ever had. I think we got bigger deer, larger flocks. I mean, when you look at fishing, there's more fish to catch from Michigan to South Florida. I mean, we, we you know, there's plenty of plenty of good hunting and fishing out there. But I think you, you you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, uh, these businesses and the and the pulse of how they got into it. So if you go back and look at some of those years when some of those bigger companies got involved, it was when we were in a heyday selling a lot of product. I mean, everything was selling, hunting was on an incline, everybody jumped in there. But when we were kids growing up, you heard me mention the name like Fred Bear. Everybody in that room has been influenced by Fred Bear. And kids like me in the South where turkey hunting was huge. We had people like Dick Kirby, which, you know, was from New York state, but always was set up shop down in Alabama, Georgia, selling Quaker board game calls. You had Harold Knight, David Hale with Knight and Hill game calls. You, you walked up to Mossy Oak and it, it was actually, you know, Toxie Hayes standing there. You went to Realtree. It was Bill Jordan standing there. So yes, they were businessmen. Yes, they were trying to make money, but the campfire was so warm. It was so cozy that it was just contagious that when you left, you didn't feel like even though we left and whether our dad gave us $20 or we brought $200, we left it at that buckarama. We left it to that show, whether it was in Michigan or Georgia, we left it there, but we didn't feel like we got ripped off. It became an adventure. It was an experience. And we felt like we was a long lost son of a Fred Bear. And Fred Bear had that magic to where everybody felt special. 
and he didn't shun anybody. And so what happened, I think, is a lot of these industries, it become cold, it become about the money, it become about the product. And they forgot that people like you and I, we like to BS, we like to hang out, we like to break bread and laugh and cut up. And we like to feel if we're giving our money to somebody that they care. And I think those people so many years ago, we, we knew that Fred Bear cared. And we knew that even though we might not ever meet him, if we bought his old recurve or his brand new whitetail hunter two bow, there was something about Fred that cared about archery. I hope people feel that way about me. If they buy a bone collector product, there's no guarantee you can you know put that in somebody, but we care about the culture. And so I think that got lost. And I think what you're saying is that is starting to come back. These companies are recognizing and getting the right people even if it is a big private equity, getting some of the right company heads that realize that our one of us is helping run it, that's helping engage in the marketing, that's helping engage in the product design, as well as the price points. And because some companies are just, they'll, they'll rake the hunter over the coal and they're trying to make margins that make it no sense. And all that, in my opinion, it, it catches up slowly but surely. And it becomes, takes away once again from that fun factor. It, it's, it's no fun if you're spending $3,000 a you know, for something and, and you're not going to get a lot of return on it. And you already got a wife that she finds out that she spent and hope that that's all she does, you know? Yeah. So when it gets down to it, I, I think that's what's happened. I think it's getting better, but I think it got really cold. We, we have almost in some areas let the campfire go out that Fred bear, the Chuck Adams lit for us. And so, uh, for me, I think that's my biggest conviction. Sure. I got to make a living. I've got to have sponsors. I've got to sell product, but, the biggest thing I want to do if you come by a bone collector booth and me, Nick, and T-Bone are there, if you don't have fun, then shame on us. As a matter of fact, I say all the time, you might hunt out-hunt bone collector. I promise you, you will not out-fun us. It will not happen. <laughs> and so I feel like as long as we can stick to that, whether it's you guys or anybody else, you know when you get to camp with us or people like us, we're going to have fun. That changes the whole game in hunting. It, it, you know, There's no ego. There's no click. It's about just having fun. That could be a, about who makes the best chili. That could be what prank gets pulled on who. That could be who misses and gets the shirt tail cut off. It could be that somebody kills a monster deer and we celebrate it. And maybe there's a few too many of those old cold blueberry sweet, you know, sweet briar beers passed around. <laughs> At the end of the trip, you leave and it becomes an adventure that you can say, I would tell you how fun it was, but you would have just had to been there to understand yeah. what I'm talking about. Good I think point. that's what means something to us about hunting. So, that's what I think we got to sell. I think that's better than a big buck or a big bass. I think it's your new tagline, bone collectors, just having fun. <laughs> just having fun, exactly. <laughs> you got to change your hats. Do not, don't, can't stop the flop to uh, just having fun. <laughs> can't stop the fun, that's right. <laughs> now, what's your thoughts real quick on the conglomerates of the industry? Because obviously, as we've seen these past few years, we got huge monopolies happening across the board buying up companies are buying up companies. I mean, there's, there's three or four out there have like five, six brands under their belt, maybe more than that. Maybe there's like six or seven. Now I'm thinking about it, but what's your thoughts on that? Is that good, bad, scary? What, what are you, what are you guys thinking? You know, I, you know, that could be tricky for me to answer, but I've always been transparent. I've always been honest. I think it can be potentially good, but it can also be catastrophic depending on at what level. And not only is that happening within the, uh, the manufacturers, it's also in these brands that we grew up buying, you know, that were all individual buckets. Now they're all in one big bucket, but that's also happening to the retailers. That's also happening um, across the board in, in some of these bigger retailers that we are we're used to going into. And so depending on the direction or depending on the success and financial returns, if it's just for, you know, we hear it said a lot of times, just counting beans and we keep declining in our hunting numbers, I think it could be catastrophic because, Take a somebody, I get back into using a name like a Fred Bear or a Dick Kirby. They're not going to stop. Their stay in power isn't in their financial means. Their stay in power is in their passion. And so those companies, not all of them have the passion for the culture as much as they do for the money. So if our culture keeps growing, we'll be fine with those conglomerates. But if our culture starts dying, which inevitably there's a part of it that is, uh, we fighting hard. You guys are fighting hard every day with y'all's guests to promote hunting. We, I truly fight hard every day trying to promote hunting in every aspect I can in my life. You got Ted Nugent's that's doing the same. But if our culture and our growth start, stops growing, these conglomerates, it could be scary because they're just going to stop and walk away. They're just going to shut them down and it's over. And that scares me a little bit. But 
I still know that at the end of the day, my optimism toward hunting is it's not going to go away because of the industry. The industry might suffer, but we will always be around. There will always be people like us. And I think the industry just has to recognize that the industry don't own us. We own this industry. And without us, without the people that participate, then there truly is no money to be made. And so uh, we all might be from different walks of life, but we're not dumb. We're not idiots. And we know how hard we work for our money. And so we're going to be very smart about how we spend it. And so I don't think there's any personnel or any company for a long-term span of time that can pull the wool over our heads. They might trick us a little bit, but I think in the end it'll sift out. So that's kind of my long version of how I feel about it. Nice. Nice. Okay. Let's talk a little, let's change subject real quick. Let's get into uh, uh, bone collector uh, stuff. So you guys, you guys have a lot of things. So I'll let you kind of walk through. I know you mentioned the arrows. Now let's guys... talk about what you should really buy. <laughs> now let's talk no. about buying things. <laughs> so what you got to sell, Mike, what you got to sell? Yeah. What's out there? <laughs> it's funny, man. You know, it's, we, we, first of all, man, we've been, we've been so blessed. Uh, Bone Collector, we started it in 2008, started airing in 2009. Prior to that, you know, I was working with Realtree and had Realtree road trips, but, um, you know, at this point, man, some of our opportunities have been through the manufacturers and working to help design and develop some other cool products. And so uh, right now we got, uh, you know, pretty much not everything covered, but we got we got uh, about 15 good television partners. And all of those partners are typically licensing partners to where we have everything from, uh, you know, mud flaps to, to, to bow and arrows that we you know work with Hoyt with, with building and, and special edition bows. Um, and so really a little bit of everything we got arrows we've got uh you know coolers to to whatever you might have so bone collector we've been really lucky it's become an affinity brand that it's it's crossed over and grabbing other things outside of the hunting realm and so hopefully uh that keeps growing and and for me anything we can we can help do to to grow the awareness of hunting whether it be through bone collector whether whether it's just in a product and all these deals, you know, it's, it's not about making money. It's really about getting that brand out there. And if people can discover our bone collector brand and fi- find our shows or, or find us on a podcast, find us on a social media vignette that, that maybe they'll realize more what it's about. And, you know, hopefully we can introduce people to hunting. And so if we can just get people in the door to buy a hunting license, we'll have a chance to hopefully find a way that they can, um, they can buy a bone collector product. Are you, uh, you you guys are getting a little bit into uh, calls now, right? Yes, we just started uh, making calls, and um, and man, it's funny that that was something that that we started really as a small venture that turned into something really big pretty quick. Is uh, we had worked with a lot of companies, and so again, just being very transparent, we we've had a, a relationship, good relationship, with two different call manufacturers in the span of Bone Collector. Um, one was Flextone Game Calls, mm-hmm. and then the other was Night and Hill Game Calls. Well, um, for a lot of different reasons that, that we don't have to discuss, uh, we were forced to do other things. And so um, the, the natural, easy opportunity would have been to, to start working and looking for the one established uh, brands that was out there that, that we might could help market their calls and sit back down at the table and help design and work with them. But I thought there's a lot, there's hard to educate the consumer is to understand, well, dead gum, what it was just with Night and Hell. Why is he working over here with Primos? Why is he working with this guy? And so, yeah, we need those categories. Those categories is what help us generate dollars to our family. Um, so I just decided that we were in a place that we didn't have to get into that category from, uh, you know, working with another sponsor, so to speak. And so it's always been my passion. That's where I got started through competition turkey calling. And so... I just started working with some of my friends and building some calls and my desire was just to sell them online and sell them on social media and make some calls and make the best we can make, make them all in America. And so we started doing that. Next thing you know, um, a lot of the retailers were calling, wanting, wanting the line in their stores. And so, you know, right now we're in Cabela's Bass Pro. Um, we're going into Academy uh, Dick's next year. So we got a lot of that. We got a lot of independent dealers. So it turned into something that we were just going to venture into to try to make a little money and try to design some fun stuff just as a uh, kind of whittling around and bringing some calls to some shows from time to time to where it turned into a pretty lucrative opportunity. And so I've been really proud of that, man. We got some really good custom stuff coming out. And, and we also have some stuff that's uh, just, just not trying to reinvent the wheel, just good, solid calls. Now, is it all turkey calls or are you expanding to other types we're, of calls? We're expanding to all big game. We have a full line of uh, 
of whitetail, you know, just your typical grunt calls, rattlebags, stuff like that. Um, we're, we're working on some elk stuff, um, especially in the diaphragm market, and we're, we're looking for some, uh, some new ideas and creating some new product that we think could help and, and revolutionize some, some game calls in some areas. But for the most part, we just want to make it in America, make it really good, solid. Everybody that gets the calls, when you pull it out of the pack, it's going to work. It's going to perform. You don't have to break, you know, go get a loan to buy them. And, um, and that's really all we want to do is just, just have good integrity with them and stand behind them and show you exactly how they work. And if they work for us, they'll work for you. For our listeners that aren't familiar with the fact that you got your start, I believe, in turkey calling, correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. How many championships have you won? Man, a, a pretty cool amount. You know, over the years, you know, you got all the local um, contests that you go to from like, I remember my wife was looking over the day and I had a, a Lake Wadawi, uh first place senior championship. What's Lake Wadawi? Just a lake down the road. Why they decided to name a turkey calling competition. I won the Lake Blackshear <laughs> Open, the Bargain Barn Open. But, um, <laughs> but the ones that really kind of got me an opportunity was uh, – I won the Grand America um, back years ago. And then, the, of course, the U.S. Open, the Grand National Championship, then you had the World Championship. I placed third twice in the U.S. Open. And then and then me and Ricky Joe Bishop, they started these two-man team competitions. So we won the World Championship twice in that. And they won the Grand National Championship twice in that. And then the Georgia State and stuff like that. So just a lot of different contest over the years and and through those competitions is where i met pretty much everybody in the hunting industry and that gave me my opportunity to kind of be advisory staff so to speak you know where you get free product and camo and calls and you know and every once in a while you get to go to a rider hunt and guide and stuff like that and one thing led to another after those championships that i'd won or those contests i'd won uh, I, I had a chance to start working full-time at realtree as a cameraman and a guide and so that seems like yesterday that was in 90 and so here it is, you know, this many years later, 2019, I've, I've never done anything else for a living. I'm, I'm assuming you've completed the Grand Slam. Which one is the tough, eight times. Which is the toughest of the four? <laughs> I, I think definitely the, the Eastern, which the Eastern lives there in Michigan, obviously. But I'd say the Southern Eastern is the most frustrating, Alabama, Georgia, turkeys. Um, the Rios, um, most of the places the Rio species is found – um, they work really good. Um, same with the Merriam. I think the Merriams are the easiest. Matter of fact, I'm so excited. We're going Mary, hunting Wyoming and South Dakota and Montana next week. And we got some customers and retailers we're taking. And I'm excited about that because the Merriams, will, they will work typically really good. Um, but I would say the Southern Eastern and the Osceola can be hard. But if you find a place before. where you, if you got a place that has a decent amount of Osceolas, they are mean, agitated turkeys. So they're easy to manipulate if you can find them. They're just pissed off at the world. And so they're just going to fight everything. And, um, and so you can really manipulate them really good with decoys, and they're usually really aggressive. But uh, you, you got to have a spot Osceolas are. And so some of those big public areas and those big swamps, it's tough to find turkeys. But when you can find them, you can kill them. Mm-hmm. That okay. is so funny. Nice crazy birds <laughs> now the michigan ones i didn't i mean i've killed a couple birds here in michigan i honestly i didn't i didn't feel like it was very hard necessarily no. i kind of just chilled in a ground blight smoked cigars relaxed yeah <laughs> next thing i know i hear i see I, my tom is working amazing out there and I, old chuckles somehow got it done for me twice now he's out there just sitting there spinning around slowly with the wind and all of a sudden here comes this bird Russian chuckles. I'm like, you're not touching chuckles, dude. And I just nailed him with my bow. I was really happy. <laughs> Crushed him with the bow. And, and um, he didn't go far dropped. So then the year after, my son and I went out, which has been, you know, like you talk about, you know, kids in the outdoors. That's been my favorite thing so far is having my son go out with me with bow. He's a crossbow. Uh, but in Michigan, they changed the rules that they could start at any age. It's up to the parent. And yeah, uh, so I was able to get him his first deer at seven, second deer at eight. And uh, at nine, he got a turkey last year. Didn't get a deer, but got a turkey. And it was... Um, just really good experiences, you know, and for him, it's a whole different level, right? He starts so young that it, things can actually, you know, build up in him that he wants to do it or don't do it, right? It's fine either way, but it, it gives him that experience and he loves to go, especially for turkey. I mean, turkey's so fun. I mean, just like, you know, yeah. and I can't call worth a crap. I'm not going to lie, but like <laughs> I, I try, you know, and I'm blowing it. And, and I know Jamie, my our buddy Jamie, he uh, sent me a text. He goes, it sounds like you have a duck call over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, give me the dang slate or something. I don't know what I'm doing. No, what is your, 
favorite go-to for uh, locating the birds? Um, you know, it just depends on the area, but like a, a crow call is about your best norm. I mean, I, I'm not even a big locator guy as far as, uh, you know, a lot of people start in the morning with an owl call and then midday, you know, a lot of times you'll blow a crow call first. Typically, um, you know, I'll use locator calls when we got the camera crew because a lot of times if you do strike them with a turkey call, they're, they're on the way. And even in y'all's neck of the woods, man, certain areas around those those pastures and fields in that open timber, man, if you strike them, you better be getting ready to set down if you're not in a blind. And so locator calls are usually a way to find out where the turkeys are prior to you making a call to get them coming your way if, if you're lucky enough to manipulate them your way. So, uh, But a crow call is about the, about the best, I think, natural locator call. Outside of that, if you're by yourself and you're running and gunning, uh, just a turkey call. Just learn how to cut and yelp really aggressive. And um, and learn that rhythm on that, and I think that works as good as anything. And you can you can get them get them to gobble. And at that point, the good thing about that is when they gobble at that, that means they're kind of interesting in some some encounters of of romance. So then you know that there might be you know not just a shot gobble. They're they're gobbling because they want to breed. And so it kind of give you an opportunity to know that you're you're in a good spot. Now um, flipping subjects just a tad. So as far as uh, bows go, you've been with Hoyt for a long time. Now I think about it, it's been a long time. Yeah, I have. And, man, I can't say enough about the team and family at Hoyt. They they have stuck by me. I mean, the, te- the team at Hoyt has stuck by me for my whole career. I mean, um, from when when not a single person knew who I was, they, they believed in the opportunity that, 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 that I was pr- trying to present creatively. And so um, they make great bows and i can honestly say if if i wasn't working with them i would buy that product and 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 i and i and i love it and i and i love it i just it, they they make a they make a great product and 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 better than that they're good people and that's what i really like yeah and so so yeah there are good people in fact it was funny one time i sent an email to randy over there and uh, randy's the president randy walk and he actually replied to my email about yeah. elk honey it was the funniest thing i'm like wow i can't believe he actually replied to my email and then uh, obviously Jeremy, Mike, and uh, at the time Kevin Wilkie was there for a while. He was yep. great. Uh, now Evan, so a lot of good people there. Um, they've done such a good job there over the years, and their designs are just incredible. But it is cool that you guys have your own edition uh, on their bow. So if you're out there and you're looking to uh, get a bone collector edition for Hoyt, you can get the Carbon RX three uh, in the the bone collector, and they have it in a black too as well, bone collector, which looks sick, absolutely yeah. sick. Looks <laughs> so good. Which one do you use? Which one are you using right now? I've got I've got the camo riser bow now. Um, you know, we work with Realtree, so Bill Jordan or Tyler would they would throw a rock at me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I will say that black that black does look good. Matter of fact, it's funny. My wife last night, I was, I was like, "Honey, I want to get you and buy you a new bow." And and she's like, uh, "She said, well, if you order, can you get me one with a black riser?" And I was like, "Absolutely." So, so yeah, that black looks really cool. I'm going to call Tyler later and be like, hey, you know, Michael announced on the show he's moving to a different color camo. (laughs) 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 He he would just be like, yeah, no. (laughs) That one I won't get away with. I have to try somebody else. Somebody who's not as strongly tied. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, bonecollectors.com, right? Is that the website? Make sure I got this right. Bonecollector.com. Yeah, that's our website. uh, Bonecollector.com. Check out Instagram, Facebook, everything. You guys got a lot going on. Tons of views. Each picture is getting like 5,000, man. It's doing really well you guys are crushing it on there so that's great great news so cool well michael waddell thank you for joining us everybody uh again check out their website check out mike online and um uh, you know let's get some stuff help support mike who's helping us keep archery and the heritage going it's really important that someone like you is doing that and pushing it hardcore especially at every level possible so thank you for that well i appreciate it man and and like i said thank you for what you guys are doing too and uh and also, you brought up something. I was just going to say thank you to the Michigan Game of Fish and DNR there for literally recognizing the fact that, you know, stripping that age down to where kids can hunt. And, you know, I grew up pretty much kids around here in the South can come off the breast milk and go straight to the woods. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I love the fact that a lot of the northern states are starting to go to that because sometimes when these kids get 14 or 15, we've already lost them to other things. And so yeah. it's really cool that we as parents can make that decision. So thanks. Thanks to the Michigan DNR for recognizing that. And um, and really just thanks for what you guys are doing, man. I love hunting. Like I said, just as long as we can all get along, we're going to love different things and hunt and approach everything a little different. But uh, in the end, man, we're all brothers. We're all sisters yeah. and, and, uh, and, and just having fun. So thank y'all, man. And anytime right, y'all man. may holler at us and I'll, 
I got to get electricity at T-Bone's house, but he'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, when I when I tag out Wes, I'll put a picture up for you. <laughs> Do that. And congr- hey, man, and yeah, send us some pictures, man. I know you're looking forward to that adventure. So, uh, so anyway, good luck to you and your wife, man. I hope y'all have a great time. Stay safe out there and kill some big animals. They're out there. Right. Oh, man. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Thanks, and we'll see you later. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.